Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Kai Anderson is an artist based out of Greenpoint, Brooklyn. She received her BFA from the Kansas City Art Institute. She has an upcoming group show of large-scale works on paper at the Moore College of Art in Philadelphia. Her solo show, titled The Cave, just ended at Sherry Leedy Contemporary Art in Kansas City. She's shown in London, France, Germany, Miami, Kansas, and many other places. You can see her work at Catherine Markle Gallery in Chelsea. She'll be in residence at the Vermont Studio Center this year, and she's been featured in Studio Critical, Juxtapose, and Two Coats of Paint, among other publications and blogs. Her paintings are an ongoing exploration and abstraction that involve a strong narrative. She's a consummate worker who's prolific and driven, and it was great to speak with her about her process. Here's our conversation. So um, why don't you tell me a little bit about um, where you came from and where you grew up? I grew up in uh, Kansas City and moved to New York in 1996. Mm-hmm. Um, I did you go to, to school the, in Kansas City? I did. I went to, actually, I moved, I thought that I should move away from my first year of college, and I went to the California College of Arts and Crafts uh-huh. for one year, and then um, moved back to Kansas City and ended up graduating from the Kansas City Art Institute. How was the, was there culture shock? Coming back from California? Or just going out there? Or had uh, you been? I tra- I'd traveled a lot, um, you know, as a kid and stuff we traveled, but um, not really, you know, I was so absorbed in my work, in working, and mm-hmm. immediately absorbed in sort of campus life that I just, you know, dove, dove right in. You were but focused. I was focused. Uh, I think... Part of the reason I ended up going back to Kansas City was just, uh, you know, once I got out of the dorms and realized I had to get a job and an apartment, you know, I kind of was 18 years old and panicked. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I have to go home. This is too much to deal with <laughs> as an 18-year-old. But I actually really am happy that I went, ended up going back to Kansas City. There's a great – my family is uh, – they're all mostly artists, and mm-hmm. so there's a great community of art artists in Kansas City that I – uh, really adore. Wait, so you, were your parents artists? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what they did? Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. That's a rarity, I feel like. Yeah. Artists, I don't know that I talk to a lot of people whose both parents are artists. Yeah. It's not, it's, it was nice having parents as artists. I would imagine, yeah. Uh, they taught me how to, um, how to have a studio practice where I could take the time and slow down and and work, you know, yeah. because as a child they would work and I would work, you know. Yeah. So, you know, it's a, they taught me how to have a nice rhythm, studio rhythm. And did you, having parents who were artists, was that their full profession? Um, they go S- back and forth. They supplemented, but yeah, definitely. But you were exposed yeah. to this idea that you could. That could be your job, or that could be yeah. what you do. Yeah, definitely. Which I think a lot of artists battle growing up when they go to school or when they choose to be an artist. You know, they think, this is something I want to do with my life, and sometimes parents think, uh, are you yeah. sure about are you that? Sure you want to yeah. 
No, I didn't have that at all. There was always a total support. Yeah. Yeah. That's and not great. only from them, they have a whole bunch of friends who are all artists and a big community of people who all, you know, went to the Art Institute and in Kansas City and stayed there. And, yeah. And uh, so, you know, there's a ton of support. Yeah, that's which, great. Yeah, which was great. So, so there, there wasn't really a question for me. Actually, you know, in, in high school, I thought, I never thought I would apply to art school. Mm -hmm. I thought that I would go and I was going to be a scientist or a mathematician. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I, but when it came time to apply for college, my mother just uh, said, okay, what art school do you want to go to? <laughs> <laughs> That's like the exact opposite uh, yeah, of most much. situations. And uh, I was like, oh, art school, of course, that makes total sense. I, I don't know why I hadn't thought that that's what I would do. But, yeah. Um, yeah. So. But I would imagine you could dive right into that. You felt comfortable. Oh, yeah. 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 So how long, wait, how long were you in California? Just one year. Just one year. Mm -hmm. And then you came back. Yeah. And then I went back to Kansas City. Mm -hmm. which was nice um, I knew a lot of the teachers it was funny my my parents both went to the art institute as well and mm -hmm. when they started there's a whole bunch of teachers that all started at the same time as, the, as when they started there in the early 70s and uh, so all those teachers taught my parents and then I knew them all growing up and then I got to have them as teachers it was nice that's cool mm-hmm yeah, that's a very unique situation, I feel like. Yeah. Especially in higher education, you know, like mm -hmm. in an art school situation like yeah. that. Did you have a good high school art teacher? Yeah, I had a great high school art teacher, but it was my mom. Oh, <laughs> You're like an insider. I know, yeah. Uh, <laughs> she taught there a little bit, actually, but then she also hired a whole bunch of other, other friends to come in. I went to a really small alternative education high school, high mm -hmm. school so they... Uh, there was always a influx of different people coming in and teaching different things, so yeah. which was nice. So yeah. here's the next question. Mm -hmm. What what kind of artwork did your parents make? My mother's a painter. Mm -hmm. She doesn't really paint that much anymore. Well, she does, but it's it's private. She doesn't try to... Uh, she's not out there trying to show it or anything, but she's privately painting. Um, but she painted uh, all... When I was growing up, painted a lot. Um, big paintings, you know, mm -hmm. abstract big abstract paintings and then my father is a photographer and so he uh but he uses photography more almost as collage and piecing uh photos together yeah to make images that's an interesting combination mm -hmm. yeah yeah so was abstraction something that always felt comfortable to you in that sense yeah because i feel like a lot of times you know artists have to find abstraction or you you've kind of come to it through either art history or process of being in classes and breaking things down or whatever but I would imagine if you're exposed to it a lot when you're younger you just feel probably more comfortable in that language I I do feel comfortable in that language although I do always struggle for, for well when I first when I was making art in, in my 20s I had imagery in my work and I slowly let the imagery go mm -hmm. um, and now I still feel I still struggle with content and abstraction and feel like I don't have a connection to a painting that's totally abstract unless I know its story and what it's about. So uh, So there's a narrative in there? There is a narrative, definitely. And is that just the way that you're making it or is it the pictorial narrative? 
it's it's the pictorial narrative. Like, yeah. I have a lot of stories that are in that are in my work, and but I'm in the you know I I'm constantly fluctuating where sometimes I feel very comfortable having something be completely abstract and and understanding that language, and then other times you know a week later I'll be you know traumatized that I thought that was an okay thing to think. <laughs> so, so it's always, a, it's, a, it's a flux, it's, I'm constantly fluctuating with that yeah. concept. And that's, and I'm okay with that, that's just how I think. So what was the work you were making in Kansas City, like in school, what was um, I, well, the work I was, like? I started in the fiber department, so I was doing, mainly because I loved the materials and I loved the, the process of weaving and sewing and dyeing fabric and all of that sort of stuff. I love that. And then halfway through school, I switched to sculpture. Um, so, and I think I was just being a brat. Like I always knew that, that I would paint, but I w was thought, well, I'm in school. I should learn as many things as I can. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I don't need to go paint because I know how to paint, you know, where it, in retrospect, I probably would have, benefited from some painting classes. <laughs> uh, but I think that those two ways of working come into my work now, where the, you know, how I layer and build my paintings in a way, in the same, same sort of way as working in three-dimensionally. Yeah, it's like a sculptural yeah, or an architectural approach to building the image. Yeah, it yeah. is for me. Uh, you know, and, and like, I like to use my paint almost like dyes where mm -hmm. it's thin layers and I love that's why I love working on paper so much because it absorbs the paint in such a nice way yeah well who were you uh looking at at that time like who were you know I think I was mostly inspired by the artists around me in Kansas City yeah not necessarily and then I looked at artists in books and, and this is you know this is pre-internet before you can just go online and right see everything everything instantly yeah instantly you know so I, uh, I think I was mostly inspired by the people around me. Yeah. And their, and with their methods of working and process of, of working was very inspiring to me. Just, it's kind of hard to describe, I guess. But, yeah. But just being, being around people who worked all the time and in their own weird ways and found their own path. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I have, you know, limited experience in Kansas City but mm -hmm. most of it if not all of it is music related because mm -hmm. I played music and we would play there and mm -hmm. I had friends who were from there and I think if I'm placing our timing correctly you probably were there when there was a pretty fertile music scene yeah. going on there so, was great music going yeah. on when I was in high school were you mm -hmm. you were actively like going out oh, I was, yeah definitely yeah. I had a fake ID when I was 16 oh. so I could just go, you could go anywhere bands and do whatever I wanted <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it was great. So what were some of the, what was the music that you were checking out at that point? Um, oh, God. Now you're put me on the spot. I'm terrible with, with remembering actual names. Um, there was uh, this place in Lawrence called The Outhouse. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I've heard of it, yeah. Yeah, and that was a pretty fun place to go see punk rock shows. Yeah. I can't remember any of the actual bands that I saw there, but I saw several, many, many shows there. Yeah. Uh, I get a little claustrophobic sometimes, so... I would, uh, it's in the middle of a cornfield, this, the place, the outhouse, you drive way out into Lawrence, Kansas, and then drive 20 minutes outside of Lawrence, and it's a concrete block, uh, 
one story shed essentially in the middle of a cornfield where they had punk rock shows and so it was great it was amazing um but i would get a little claustrophobic and so i would just go walk through the cornfield (laughs) (laughs) could you still hear the music oh yeah oh yeah definitely Sound traveled pretty well out yeah. there, I imagine. The sound traveled really well out in the middle of flat Kansas and cornfields. Yeah. Yeah. There's a great music scene going on in Kansas City. I mean, I saw a ton of, you know, rock shows. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of, I mean, Kansas City has a jazz history, too. It does. So mm-hmm. I'd imagine there was still, that was available, right? Absolutely. There was some good yeah. jazz and blues. That was almost just all around, and you didn't even think about it. It was just, you just were absorbing it, you know, yeah. you go... You go to a barn in the back. There's yeah, like a blues there's a band, great right? band. Yeah, always. That's pretty yeah. cool. So, is it something? Do you still listen? Do you listen to music when you paint? I do. I have a weird relationship with it. I fluctuate between all kinds of music and dead silence and yeah. loud and quiet. And I, oftentimes lately, I can't even make it through a whole song. I have to constantly change between. Uh, songs that you know, something will bother me it gets distracting so I um, change it constantly so it's like a dynamic you're trying to match yeah. the dynamic with yeah. how you're feeling yeah it's almost getting where it's silence is better lately as yeah. of late silence or classical piano music <laughs> oh because it's pretty yeah quiet just quiet music but as the day progresses sometimes it will get you, you need know, a burst of energy. Yeah, I'll need a burst of energy, and I'll switch to something a little more lively. Well, it's funny because there's, I I think, your work this kind of, you know, an abstraction, has a lineage of relationship to sort of the improvisation and like jazz music. You know, there's yeah. in history and modernism, and you know, there's a, a link between that kind of expression in music and abstraction. So I'm, you know. It makes sense that you're trying to, you feel this connection with the dynamic of the mm-hmm. audio in, in your environment and yeah. in what you're painting. Is your, when you're making these paintings, um, are you responding in a way, like the physical way that you're making them? Are you responding to how you're feeling? Is it, or is the narrative that you talked about so kind of um, pinned down in a way that that's driving how the work is realized? No, the narrative comes out as I'm working. So... So is it improvisational? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good word, improvisational. I like that. Yeah. Sometimes people describe things as intuitive, and sometimes I don't like that description. I don't know why. I wish there was more... It's more heady. Intuitive is more, you know, oh, it's just... Improv is like you're searching out here with your hand, or you're... Yeah. It's almost more of an external search. Yeah. Intuitive is just, you're just listening to your mind and that's what's driving your hands yeah. or something. Yeah, it's a combination of, of those two things, which yeah. is a, it's a good combination. Um, I do, as I'm working, I, I, I layer and layer and layer and I, I see it before I paint it. And then as it was, it's a response as to what's there. But the story comes out over time as I'm painting. And a lot of the stories that have to do with color and color relating to memory and uh, colors will trigger certain memories and then the story kind of comes out through that. Um, Well, that was my next question is mm -hmm. color and how you, you have a very, um, well, I just think like, I feel like I know, you have a very 
um, Kai palette. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I no, can, it's a very specific palette. And it's something that I don't even think about. And yeah. it, but it comes out when I'm talking to other people. So that's um, intuitive. Yes. that The colors are intuitive, which is... And as I'm mixing, I mix one color and then mix the colors together and mix and mix and mix and mix until I find just the right color. And lately, my colors... I hate the colors I'm using right now. Like, I think they're awful. <laughs> but I can't stop using them. I keep coming in every day going, I'm going to mix up some better colors today. And it just... It doesn't happen. I start over, throw all the colors away, and I mix up the same colors. So I... Uh, it's the colors sort of have their own life and I just have to follow it I guess I, I was gonna say do you feel like you're battling through like I, trying to yeah it's ridiculous because you think you should be able to come into your where you your studio and mix up a color you like you know it, but not lately just the past couple of weeks the three weeks a month it's been just terrible colors but I'm just going with it you know yeah. so do you do you mix everything on the spot or do you have some some colors that you like bulk colors because I've been no. to studios where people pre-mix everything they're choosing yeah. from pre-mix colors mm-hmm. but you're improvisational as yeah. far as that is I mix and too. mix and add things and water down and dirty paint a lot of dirty paint water mm-hmm. gets mixed in there and I like I went out of town for a week and everything I came back everything was really moldy and I was like oh this is gonna be good <laughs> <laughs> It's like mix in the mold. Oh, what's that going to do? Kind of bubbles, you know. So. Yeah, and when when sometimes when you like if you move studios mm-hmm. and you're starting fresh, all those colors, everything's too new or too yeah. fresh, you know. Yeah. Well, I think that's what happened. Actually, I was out of town for. I was in Kansas City for over the summer for a while, and um, I came back and I didn't have any. Nothing was brewing, you know. There were yeah. no like you know, boiling pots on the stove for the colors. <laughs> And uh, I started over and everything just, uh, you know, they're all coming out pastel and weird, but it's fine. And then you've settled back into your, yeah, like, this yeah, kind I have of to palette. Keep, yeah, I have to get the colors brewing. But uh, yeah, I do have a, a real specific palette, I guess. And the colors definitely are, are remind me of things. And I have a lot of rules with colors, of, you know, certain colors I don't like touching because they remind me of of things, you know, like I was thinking about this today, like I, I can't stand black and yellow when they touch. Mm-hmm. And that is really only because of that dumb 80s rock band, Striper. Striper. Beat. Yeah. That's... So every time I put any yellow and black together, <laughs> I see, I think Striper. And that's so, it's so I can't do it. I it's so Christian. It. I know, exactly. <laughs> it's like Bibles in your yeah, painting. <laughs> and that's why I'm like, yeah. oh, Christian rock. Terrible, <laughs> terrible combination. Yeah. So it's, I have a lot of rules, and a lot of the rules, like a, like I just gave you an example, are are, are silly, but it's fine. I, I I can't help it. You know, if there are associations that. I think we all have those, you know, self-imposed, what may be to other people ridiculous rules. Yeah. You know that that just fuel you or. Yeah. And, and you can't get away can't, from them for some reason. Yeah. You know? I didn't use purple for, ever. Yeah. Until the day Prince died. And oh really? I was so distraught and I, I really it was so funny I just thought I was at working and I was like God he's so amazing he's such a genius and he loved the color purple I hate the color purple I hate, <laughs> I hate the color purple I'm like okay if Prince liked it maybe I can you know I can expand <laughs> <laughs> make it happen yeah. so this uh, this is an example of how I'm thinking about color well that's like it's yeah. funny too because that's a very emotional response it to is. color yeah really emotional yeah Especially if you've 
86 to your entire artistic entire career. Entire career, yes. I never but used purple until, that sh- shows until he, he died. And then I, I yeah, I mean, the mid, you know, growing up in the 80s, and, yeah. you know, Prince was such a, you know, affected all of us so dramatically. Yeah. yeah. I know. That shows you how, yeah. how important he was as a musician. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. important. Yeah. So, um, when you're when you're working on these through different materials like collage, like mm-hmm. these are large scale collage pieces. They're mm-hmm. just painted paper, right? Mm-hmm. And is it all acrylic? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, are you working on paintings at the same time mm-hmm. on canvas? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you feel like working between, you know, because you do a lot of work on paper, if I'm not I mistaken. Mm-hmm. That's my uh, my main. choice. Yeah, my main, yeah. Mainly because I can work through things quickly and throw them to the side, you know, my studio is lovely, but it's not, it's not giant, and so I can't, if I had a large studio, I would work on many, many canvases at the same time, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's just how I work, where I have to have a lot going on at the same time, and, you know, I just don't have space to do all the canvases, so I usually have one or two canvases around, and then the rest of the space is filled with paper. Yeah, well, it's a great way to just move through ideas, so this is, I mean, it doesn't matter, I guess, but... Are these, do you think of these as drawings, or are they just paintings? They're, they're paintings. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but are yeah. are your paintings drawings, essentially? Well, no, you know, that's kind of just an eternal question that artists ask between works on, I just call them works on paper. Yeah. Uh, because drawing is such a huge part of it, right? It is. It is a huge part of it. Because the line is but really in there, as much I, as they're big I've shapes. I've always felt that drawing is sitting there with a perfect square piece of paper or rectangular and you have it perfectly sharpened to pencil yeah like that to me is drawing 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 yeah. yeah yeah that and maybe that's limiting but when i imagine drawing i imagine someone drafting a, yeah. a portrait with a perfect pencil right yeah well it's all semantics i mean mm-hmm. drawing there's you know like all the line work that's going on in your work is very drawing related you know that that line movement Mm -hmm. and it's interesting because you have so many different layers of that where it's the painted line it's the sort of fallen whether it's a drip or a wash Mm -hmm. that line Mm -hmm. and then even the line of where the paper is cut or where Mm -hmm. the edge is yeah there's a lot of line going on there is a lot of line yeah but they don't it's not like a terry winters where there's a million literal lines Mm -hmm. combining to make an image you know right it almost feels like, to me, the um, the line work in your paintings, that's kind of a big part of the narrative or the plot. It is. Because they seem to have a personality in a way. They do, and they make the connections. Yeah. The lines make the connections of the story yeah. in a way. So, yeah, there is a lot of line work. Lately, they've been, it's been less, but you know what you're looking at now is the first stages of painting, and oftentimes... The line work comes at the end. Yeah. And that the line work makes all the final connections between all the shapes and ideas to me. So Do they give you that kind of that element of detail in a way too? Because it feels like there's a crispness to that, what I'm assuming is like that last layer of line, like mm-hmm. in those framed pieces up there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Those a lot of those seem to come at the very end, or at least they appear to, because mm-hmm. they're over these washes. Yeah. I think that I would guess in seeing these that don't really have that yet, that really pushes the layers back. It does. And forth, like that gives you a whole different depth. To yeah, the, it to gives the it a work. whole other layer of information. Yeah. Um, 
which I like. And I, but I also am interested lately in just the past few months, the past month or so, of letting go of some of that line work and seeing what happens without it. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes I feel, as an artist, you get into habits, and they can become crutches. Yeah. You know, and so it's good to keep exploring what it is that you're doing with, without the thing that you're the most comfortable with. So. The proverbial throwing yourself a curveball. Yeah, exactly. Which is really important. It is. Yeah. You have to keep yourself um, interested in what you're doing and not... I don't like to fall into any habits with my work. Yeah. So uh, once I sense myself falling into a habit, then I usually try to change change it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially I think when you're dealing with improvisation, a part Mm -hmm. of that is always getting yourself off kilter, off balance, so you can react, you know? So there's a certain element of like the chance that is really fueling the work. Mm-hmm. Whereas there's plenty of artists who are mapping things out to a T and it's about right. getting it as close to that as possible. Right. Yeah. In the same way that like classical music has a composed score mm-hmm. a lot of times and then, you know, a free jazz song is going to be pretty loose. Yeah, it is. They're both just, they're both good but just very different ways of approaching yeah. what it is. Oftentimes, uh, sometimes what I do is I will start the new painting with the thing that I like the least of the previous painting. Oh, really? So, so that I can... Because I painted it for a reason, the thing that I don't like. Yeah. And I have to... I want to figure out why I painted it. So I have to... I'm constantly, you know, analyzing it and purposely do it. Sometimes I'll purposely do things that I know are terrible decisions that I know it's going to look really bad. But... I still want to see it and I want to know why it looks bad and I want to know how I can fix it because mm-hmm. I like to keep myself in a situation where I'm constantly fixing constantly fixing the paintings yeah and adjusting yeah. yeah because they'll you know and then once they stop being fixed I guess or it's hard to tell when things are actually done but um, something clicks and then I can just pull the painting out of the rotation of things I'm working on yeah it's funny because that comes up a lot when I talk to people about this mm-hmm. idea of artists creating problems from themselves, you mm-hmm. know, and giving themselves a test almost or yeah. limiting, you know. Yeah. It's something we just feel the need or it's a driving force a lot of times mm-hmm. that, that you have this um, this problem that you need to fix or solve in the work that in a lot of a lot of times it just comes up without you trying to make it happen, you know, there's yeah. these problems in your drawing or the image or the, the concept of the work, you know, that yeah. you're just like kind of navigating through. But it seems like yours is really embedded in your process. In it way. is. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, satisfying to solve problems. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so if you're, you know, I can, if I'm solving the problems, I feel as if I've had a successful day in studio. Whether I have or not, it doesn't, you know, yeah. but it feels feels good <laughs> maybe you're also satisfying that slight math urge that you had early maybe. on as a youth <laughs> yeah Does probably it, you know yeah. that that quest to kind of like set something set a problem out and then to solve it and to solve it yeah yeah when you um so you said you travel a lot right uh, yeah do you still yeah. travel a lot yeah not as much I, I would like to travel more of course you know I feel like in life you go through phases where you travel a whole bunch and then it slows down yeah you know well I'm interested in it seems like the process of your work and knowing it for a a little while Mm -hmm. and like it 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 seems like with your palette the way you have your palette and then some of the 
sort of mark making that you have just has this feeling of your hand and the way that you make it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always really interested in traveling and how that affects conceptually like mm-hmm. work and thinking about the world or different light, different places, the mm-hmm. look of different the different cultures and all that. So when you travel and you come back to the studio, does it come back in with you or do you kind of leave it at the door? Um, how does travel affect you? I would like to think that it did come into my studio, but I'm not sure that it does. I think that definitely I'm aware of the light in other places, which I love. Uh, but I feel like Everything that's in my studio is just uh, kind of what's happening here. Although I do bring in, of course, outside experiences and spit them out onto my work, but I'm sure that it does come into my work. I'm not exactly sure how. Unconsciously? Yeah, unconsciously. Well, it just feels like your world feels like your world, Mm -hmm. you know? Visually. Right. I mean, everyone's work is their world in a way, but Mm -hmm. yours seems to really have its own cast of characters and its <laughs> it own does, look to yeah. it. And, it does. <clears throat> you know? Yeah. I would like to think that I am influenced by things around me and, you know, absorbing images and then spitting them back out into my work. But honestly, if I, if I say in the mornings before I come to my studio, I sit and I look at an art book and of a you know, great painter, and like, oh, God, these are so good. I'm going to go to see you. I feel really inspired. I'm going to go to see you. If I do that, if I look at too many other paintings before I get here or while I'm here, I make really terrible paintings. <laughs> it, <laughs> like it's like a forced entrance into yeah, your it brain? Yeah, it just clogs up what's going on yeah. already in my brain. And so I, I tend to, while I'm working, I try to keep a real clear mind and not let outside influences in yeah um it really just you know messes up everything (laughs) i mean i have a few books in studio and i do look at them once in a while but i really don't look at them very much because i just i get i don't know what happens it just clogs everything up so it's better if i just keep everything really clear yeah you know and try to not think about other painters or other artwork or yeah well, another thing I think about in relation to your work, there seems to be a poetic quality to it, or mm-hmm. it just reminds me of poetry for mm-hmm. some reason. Do you do you read a lot of poetry? I don't. I should. I, I think about that I should read poetry. Well, it's I kind don't. of a nice, I feel like a nice parallel to abstraction it in is. a way. And I love the idea. I love what poetry is doing. There's color. There's textures. It's amazing. Like, and it's, yeah. it's abstract. Because, yes. Well, not always, but you know what I mean. It can be Generally. very abstract, and that's in the same way that painting can be very abstract, which is a, such a beautiful comparison. You know, I, I think that, I mean, I always fantasize about having poets and painters working together, which people have done, of course. You know, yeah. But it's a great combination because it's so nice to think about uh, your, your abstract visuals being put into words. Yeah. In an abstract sense, because so yeah. often we think of words being so defined, yeah. and a narrative is so defined, but mm-hmm. um, the idea that these images are very narrative in nature through the process, and mm-hmm. you know, the, the process of a poem being you know, the narrative more so than like an arc, you yeah. know, or 
an explicit story it can just be loosely about you know experience yeah. or something uh, yeah it? loosely okay. about experience or memories or just yeah. a, a quick visual fleeting memory you know which is a lot of what happens you know my paintings are about or just you know quick memories of things yeah it's kind of a nice combination mm -hmm. it is a nice combination. not trying to force you to read a bunch of poetry <laughs> no i need to do it poetry. i just finished a, a book and i need to finish i need to start on some new stuff do you read more kind of story-based stuff or nonfiction or um i read a whole wide variety of things yeah so i just finished the biography on lee krasner oh nice and uh it was i had i bought it on my kindle and i i think if i had known how long it was if I'd seen the actual book in the bookstore, I probably would not have read it. Yeah, Because yeah. <laughs> it was some 900 pages long. And it was really an epic uh, story. But it was really interesting. And yeah. it was actually nice to... Uh, what I liked most about it is just full absorption in painting. Yeah. You know, the whole book. No no apology, anything. No. Just painting, 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 No fluff, painting, just painting, art. Painting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, I liked, you know, at the end of the day, just reading you know 30 minutes of just full painting yeah you know, so that was nice i'm sure it read pretty quick too i would imagine that's an interesting story it's a, it's a really interesting story and it's great you know tons of historical stuff in the, yeah. in the book so i love biography i yeah. love that sort of thing yeah i, I read a I, lot of biographies i wish i read more I, it's so you know how it is as yeah, an artist no, it's hard because yeah. so much of your time is being visual so yes. reading and i'm not a huge audiobook guy mm, yeah I, I get distracted yeah, I can't. I don't have time for audiobooks. I can't. I don't think I could listen to them in studio, and I wouldn't unless I was on a road trip. Audiobooks are good yeah. then. But um, yeah, find making the time to read is always really hard. Yeah, it's great on vacation. Yeah, <laughs> that's I when know. the best time to read is when you're out of town. Yeah. So. Well, for me, if I need to sleep, it's a great thing, oh, too. Yeah. Because Put me out immediately. nowadays, one page and I'm out. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, it it's just I that, know. that I'm calm, the same way. Relaxing. I really wish I had this great fantasy. Every day, I'm, oh, I'm going to lay in bed and read at the end of the day. Ten minutes. Yeah, and I don't remember cold. anything I read. Wake up with a book on your face. Yep. I know you hear about these people who wake up and read for like an hour or two before they start what they're doing. That's crazy. Crazy talk. Sounds amazing, <laughs> but I, yeah, it's it, that would be hard to, yeah. to make happen. Yeah, it is. No, reading when you're out of town is, is that's the best time to to get to plow through a whole book. So, but. yeah, well, a good transition from that and not having time and being in New York. Mm -hmm. How do you? So how you've been in New York for a long time, right? Yeah, I just celebrated my 20 year anniversary. Wow, is your did you, you get like a, a badge, You're like a <laughs> true yeah. two-decade New Yorker. Yeah, I've had so many lifetimes since I've been in New York. You know, yeah. Well, it's not an yeah. easy place to be. Yeah, no, I've I've been so lucky since I've been here. You know, I really have always fallen into good situations. Yeah. And, and um, I had a when I first moved here, I had family friends who lived here, and they just made everything easy for me. You know, so I worked for. A close family friend doing decorative painting for mm -hmm. the first couple of years while I lived here and when I first moved here and that was great it just you know I had I, I got lucky a job that's yeah semi-creative yeah you know, and no I've, I've yeah it was, you're it was, not behind an office office mm -mm. desk you know no so that's that's been really good and yeah studio wise have you have you always been in Greenpoint I have I was uh I've this is the longest I've actually held on to a studio since I've been in this building um, I just had 
been moving studios for years and going home and working at home and renting a studio for a few months if I have a show. And uh, I finally committed to studio, real studio space about, you know, six years ago. Yeah. Which is good because I need it now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was just always upset at how much it cost. And, you know, right. So I'd move and leave, leave and find something cheaper. But I, I'm, I'm trying just to stay in one place. Yeah. It's good for the work to stay in one place. It is. I feel like, you know, well, I don't know. These days I'm more nomadic. You know, mm-hmm. I work between places, but I've kind of found something nice about that. Mm-hmm. I think where I went, I think 10 years in the same studio when I first moved to Brooklyn. Mm. So the one thing about moving that I like is that it just forces you to re-see things in yeah. a way. And get rid of stuff that you should have gotten rid of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, everyone hates moving, right? <laughs> yeah. But you do get the clean. You cleanse. Like yeah, a deep clean. Yeah. 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 Which um, we all need once yeah, in a while. Definitely. <laughs> I get, I you know, the corners of the studios get oh, yeah. pretty. I try to out. not. I work really hard to not become a hoarder. Yeah. Yeah. I think artists, though, we have. Well, I don't know. That's a generalization. I was going to say, tend to not obsess over cleaning, keeping things hyper organized, and no. And it's probably just because we're always focused on making that next thing or the next yeah. project. But if you don't keep things, if I don't keep things certain. To clear to a certain, for a certain extent, I'll just I won't have any place to work. Yeah. Because <laughs> it just starts space coming will in disappear. on top of me. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, all full of unfinished pieces everywhere, and you know, and I can't finish anything. You can't finish anything because there's no space to work on anything. So. Like that picture of the Francis Bacon studio. Oh yeah. Where yeah. it's just there's a square foot of floor space. Yeah, and that's where he's working. Is that one tiny spot? <laughs> to sit in that one little spot. <laughs> So, and you're yeah. also, you do other projects too, right? So you're, don't you work with um, doing additions? I did, but I don't do it anymore. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I ran out of time. Strike that from yeah, the record. Yeah, strike that from the record. Was well, it a good experience? It was great. I actually really loved doing it, but I just ran out of time. Yeah. So I had to shut it down. And then I went to Kansas City for several months and, you know, and I just didn't have time. Yeah. So. Do you, have, I, do you ever do prints? I was doing prints, but I sold my press. Yeah. So, um, I think uh, I would like to get back into doing it again, but my studio is just not big enough. I need to focus on one thing. Yeah. You know? Did you take printmaking when you were? Yeah. In art? Just to, like. Um, what kind of stuff did you do? Mainly monotypes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really. I took like a, a you know, independent study or something like that. Right. So I just used the space and. But I've always loved, I love printmaking. I think it's so beautiful. I know. It's such a great, Yeah. all of it. I mean, I, well, the only thing I wasn't keen on was lithography because it was mm. just too, yeah, too giant much. stones and. It's too much. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. Even etching is a big process, but compared to litho. Yeah. It's so beautiful, the end process. It the is. The end product is incredible. Yeah. It's, you get yeah. what you pay for. Yeah. Yeah. And wood blocks are amazing. Yeah. I wish I had more time to do. I know. I wish, yeah, that's that's where like I wish there was a couple of me, one that could just work on printmaking <laughs> and one that could paint, you know. We're not far away from those clones. Yeah. <laughs> Your assistant clone. Yeah, I need my assistant clone. Dedicated works on paper. Clone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then the office clone too to yeah. do all the emails. Oh my god, all the emails and taking photographs and social media. And, oh god, yeah. 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 <laughs> but right now, this is my full time project. It's just painting. Yeah. So. That's great. Yeah. 
That's great. I'm feeling lucky. Yeah. What do you have? Do you have anything coming up? I do. I'm gonna. Uh, I have a project with um, two other artists, uh, Meg Lipke and Vicky Sure, uh-huh. and we have a project called Paper Giants, and. Uh, Basically, what we do is just work on the same format, size paper, uh-huh. six feet by five feet in pa- nice size. paper. Nice size. Yeah. And um, this will be our third show. Uh, so every show, it's new work. So we keep making, you know, the same work in the same format on paper. And it's going to be opening up January twenty seventh at Moore College of Art in Philadelphia. Nice. Mm-hmm. What now? Has that been? Where has it been showed in the past? We showed the first showing um, about three years ago at Proto Gallery uh-huh. in Hoboken. And then the second one was um, at this great space out in the middle of Kansas mm-hmm. called the Volen Store, uh, which was a beautiful uh, old old uh, general store and made into this modern space to show art with just nothing around it, just fields. It was really cool. And this will be the third showing. That's so cool that it's a traveling show, yeah, but it's, it's like different. Yeah, it's like we're in a band. Yeah. yeah. You're on tour. <laughs> we're on tour, yeah. Do you already have... <laughs> is it a secret or do you already have the next gig lined up yeah more college of art oh no i mean after that oh no we don't have anything lined up after that i think we'll wait probably a year um we've got some feelers out there but you have time in between oh yeah definitely i i like the idea of continuing this project for as long as we can yeah has that uh, well i'm sure it has but has that been done before i don't know a kind of like a group show or group of artists Mm -hmm. making new work same format, different mm-hmm. venues over time. I don't know if it's ever been done. That might be a new... Yeah. It's really nice. It's a great show because, or as an artist, the size is already defined for you, the materials are defined for mm-hmm. you, the way it's installed is defined for you. All you have to do is make the paintings. And, and you know you're showing, it's a group show, but you know the two other artists that you're showing with and you know that you love their work. So it's, yeah. it just takes away all these questions when you have a show coming up, you know, how am I going to hang it? When am I going to do this? What am I gonna, it takes away all those questions and you just get to make the paintings, which is, so that is really nice. Also, it's a really fun show because you just can roll up the work and it's just pinned to the wall. Yeah. And, you know, we're not framing anything. So um, I like the idea of continuing it for as long as we can and watching throughout the years how our work changes and progresses and if our work still looks good together or not in yeah. five years. Or well, it would be great to see it come to New York, too. Yeah. And then, after that, it would be great to see a publication of all the... We have a catalog that we keep adding to. Oh, nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now we're up to almost 50 pieces. So, wow. Yeah. It's fun. It's it's great. And it's also nice because it's... Um, I, I like to have one going at all times. Mm-hmm. So... And I use it part of the project is really forcing ourselves to use those pieces as a place where we experiment. And, um, and that's part of it is just knowing that these are going to be loose and weird and maybe a new phase of something else that's happening in our work. So, uh, I kind of use it as my place where I just sort of dump the paint, you know, where I just, I don't, I don't have, I don't ever have a plan with those. It's always just, you know, see what happens and, work on them over time yeah you could have three poets do yeah three poems for the catalog over time <laughs> so i'm just mashing yeah. all this stuff together yeah yeah it's it's a great it's it's fun i'm excited about the new the newest the new place um more college right we went and visited the space recently it's beautiful space so yeah that's great mm-hmm. 
And uh, where else can people see your work? Online? Um, on my website, I also show at Catherine Markell mm-hmm. in, uh, in the city. And um, I just started working with Sherry Leedy in Kansas City. Nice. And um, Little hometown cooking. Yeah, yeah, When good. do you have, like, are you going to... I have a solo show there up right now, actually. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. Has that been a fun sort of experience? Oh, yeah, it's great. Is that your first, like, you know, like... After being here for a while, show there no, I had, solo. Show? I was showing with another gallery that okay. was shut down, and so I had um, I had a couple show, solo shows with them, and yeah. uh, and then I yeah. So while I was in Kansas City for a couple of months over the summer, and I connected with them and and did a show while I was there. It was fun. It's really nice to have that because it seems you know it's such an important place mm-hmm. for you. It is. And the art roots go all the way back. A lot of people, yeah. I think, their art roots start in school. Right. Like they go away to an art school or go away oh, to yeah, college. Oh yeah, no, the art roots in Kansas City are very deep for myself and everybody else, all the other artists who live there. Yeah. Everybody's very connected. Um, so it's great that you have that, mm-hmm. you still have that dialogue going on. Yeah, yeah. Do you good. think you'll ever move back to Kansas City? I think my husband and I have a long-term plan. Um, I think we will, I imagine some sort of dual citizenship. You know, do they allow that in Kansas City? Part time New Yorker. <laughs> <laughs> no, they do. There are people who do that. Yeah. Who live part here and part there. Um, you know, I have a lot of family there, and I, I think that I could see long term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also fantasize about having a giant studio there. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you. <laughs> you know, because there's could. so much space there. These great old industrial buildings that are empty, and you know, you could really make a great studio so yeah my friend who runs a motion graphics studio there called mm-hmm. mk12 they oh, have yeah. yeah they have mm-hmm. a huge huge space or at least uh, the, from the images i've yeah. seen it's an amazing space yeah everybody probably, has huge spaces probably not the kind of space you can get around here <laughs> no. unless you're not at all a gazillionaire a friend of mine just moved into her new uh studio that is a grant you know it's a free studio and yeah. it's like 45 feet by 45 feet or something like that oh. Ugh, it's painful. Yeah, I know. <laughs> You're like, oh god. Do they even have those anymore? <laughs> yeah, they do there. I know. And Big you see, spaces. You yeah. See, like pictures of people who still have those loft studios from yep. like the '70s and '80s, yep. and you're like, wow, it's hard to imagine that that even is still around. It does. It still exists outside of New York. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's pretty great. Yeah, it is pretty great. So someday I would love to have a big studio there and make really big paintings. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a good plan. Yeah. All right, well, yeah. it was great talking yeah, to you. Yeah, thank you so much for thank coming. Thank you. Yeah. You can find images of the artist's work, studios, and exhibitions on the podcast website, soundandvisionpodcast.com. The introduction, narration, and music was provided by Michael Lovett of Nazca Lines. All other music was made by Lullatone, based out of Nagoya, Japan. Sound and Vision is produced, edited, recorded, and organized by myself, Brian Alfred. You can find more about my work at paintchanger.com. Thanks for listening.